0: I like, feel the first day. I like, was uh, like, yeah. like, definitely mm. gave me confidence.
1: Mm. Uh, I think I just wanted a date. I didn't really believe in it. <laughs> I don't <Sorry>. know. <laughs> no, whatever. Who cares? I milked it. <laughs> yes. uh, we both
0: got better. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Alex Adams. Hey, Jai. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. <laughs> you already know what I'm gonna ask you, don't you?
0: Yeah, because I just read it. I read what you were gonna say. Go on. Why don't you share it with everyone?
1: How does it feel to lose Monopoly Deal five games to one?
0: I just want to correct you. I actually won the first game we played five sure? in total, and mm-hmm. I won the first Monopoly Deal in which you were all like, "Oh, I don't remember how
1: to play." Is this <laughs> is this hey, the you way? You fell I for the-. it.
0: And then I helped you, and then you smoked me the last four games. Yes,
1: yeah, that's. That was my plan all along. For
0: anyone who doesn't know what Monopoly Deal is, you, you haven't
1: lived. Like. <laughs> we should do a podcast it's about Monopoly Deal strategies.
0: It's my favorite game of all time. I, I pretty much play it every day. Really? Yeah. yeah, I think it's impacted my sex life, to be honest. Also, play Monopoly yeah. deal every yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> like my boyfriend and I will be like, oh, let's, let's play some Monopoly deal. And it's not
1: code th- or innuendo for anything.
0: No, 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 no. That's yeah. what I mean. It's impacting because we'll be like, mm, have sex tonight, oh, maybe we'll just play some Monopoly deal. Yeah, that you really know? ruins
1: the idea of you know, getting another hand. But anyway, <laughs> um, as I've said many times before on this show, I get to work with some really amazing people. And I'm, already, I'm really lucky because working in the creative space, you get to work with lots of creative people. Um, And one person who works at this agency we're sitting in right now is Georgia Mappin. Who? Fun fact is also from Adelaide. i from Adelaide. I did read that yeah. right. No, I, I, I went and stalked your oh. your Facebook, so I hope yeah. you don't mind. But that was it was the first time I'd been on your Facebook properly, and yeah. I was like having a hunt around, and I felt really bad because yeah. you were looming around me in the kitchen, and I'm like, she's <laughs> going to think I'm such a freak for doing this. Oh, is that
2: what you were doing? Yeah, so you not going to when me. you came over, yeah. and I was
1: like, oh, I was like,
2: way too busy to talk to me right now. I'm going <laughs> to run back to my desk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and perhaps uh, even more exciting is that not only is Georgia one of our senior. Producers, but she's also just been commissioned for her first TV series, uh, which is called Seconds, correct?
2: It's my first TV series, but it's my third round of funding for original content. Yeah, so I've made two shows before this. Crazy. Yeah, but they were online only.
1: (laughs) Right, well, let's start at the start. Like, first of all, do you know what a producer does, Alex?
0: Yes, I know what a (laughs) producer
2: does.
1: Lots of people don't. That's what I found out. That that line was meant to be, no, I don't, Jai.
0: No, I've watched Unreal. I know, they get in your ear, and they trick you, and they tell you things, and basically they make shit happen.
2: Yeah. Pretty much, that's what I, that's how I kind of you know, talk about when I talk about my job, is just that, what do you do? I get shit done. Mm. So it's on my resume, George Ruffin gets get shit, shit done. done. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, but when we see that on Netflix, say for instance, there's always like a dozen executive producers and mm-hmm. there's normal producers, mm-hmm. what does it all mean and is it different for advertising?
2: Um, it's very different for advertising, okay. yes, like it's a completely separate industry, for TV, EP, creator, producer, AP, like, with all the different roles, it's purely just hierarchy-based. Right. And it's just, like, pretty much whoever starts the project and sees it from day one, gets it developed, all of that, you kind of get the biggest title. Right. But, you know, if you need to get bigger people on board to leverage uh, financing and all of that, then you can bring in someone above you and kind of all... I know the way I see it is that it's like a barrel roll effect you know like when you're um, no a snowball effect so when you're rolling a snowball yep. it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden you're at the top of the hill and it falls down really? and that's kind of what it's like to produce a show or create a show right yeah so it's totally different to advertising where you've got clients that come in and they go hey we've got a hundred grand make us an ad you know with us we have to go find the money wow yeah Okay. Which is the hardest part? <laughs> and, and
1: did you find were you naturally doing both of those roles beforehand, or did you do one before the other?
2: Um, I started out in advertising very early on, so it's probably like ten years ago now. Really? Yeah, so it's been doing it for ten years. I'm not gonna blow um, your age out, but that's that's that's
1: that's that's, that's cool. Yeah,
2: um, I started as soon as I finished high school, mm-hmm. but it was. Like mainly because my dad was in advertising, so he was a creative, um, had been in the industry for a very long time. He was also a writer, so he was also a published author. Mm-hmm. And he got my foot in the door, gave me a bit of work experience with his production companies and then from then on I just kept going kind of in the advertising realm, hoping to jump over to longer form, original content, all of that at some stage. So on the side of all of my full-time jobs, right. I kept taking on little development projects and I started off with um, like a little web series idea yep. that came to me from a comedian friend of mine, and we pitched it to the SBS, and they were getting co-funded by Cre- Create New South Wales, and it was for like a comedy web series. So cool. we pitched our idea, we won that, we really? got twenty grand. It was, it I was twenty-one at the right? time. Oh <laughs> was Like a little baby. Uh, first thing I ever produced. So I'd been a production coordinator for years before that and um, it's called The Victim's Guide to Kidnapping and it's kind of like The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy but about kidnapping yeah. Closer to home Yeah and then, so they commissioned 12 projects they gave 12 pilots 20 grand and they were all produced and it was within the hopes that they'd at least fund one or more to a full series but I don't think they ended up funding any of them I don't know what happened with it really? it kind of went up it got its traction everyone loved it uh, it looked great for 20 grand and then that was it.
1: And just something you said before, mm. like, you, know, you mentioned your dad was a creative. Do you, mm-hmm. do you kind of consider yourself a creative?
2: I find it a hard word. I've always really struggled with the idea of calling myself a creative. And I don't know why. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I've grown up in an industry that's really heavily male-dominated in the creative sphere or if it's because just my dad was the biggest creative influence in my life or... Yeah, I'm not really sure. I've just always known women to be kind of more production and harder to take on the creative role and men to be kind of more in the creative sphere and I've really struggled calling myself creative.
0: Even the fact that you knew what a creative was is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, having a dad who called himself creative. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of a unique position. And people whose parents are, you know, do different things are work in public service or, um, you know, accountants and whatnot, they probably don't even know... They probably think of their art teacher as creative Mm. and don't know what kind of jobs are out there. But it's also interesting that you mention that you've always thought of that as being... men being creative and and women being, you know, more of the get-shit-done producers. Is that... Do you think it's because your dad was the creative? And so you saw?
2: Yeah, I think so. Like, he was quite successful. He was a published author and... He'd had a lot of books optioned into films and his title was literally creative director. Yeah. So, well, that's you what know. I was going to get on Is your so mum creative? No. Okay. So, I mean, she's a creative person. Yeah. She's a creative personality, but she runs an <laughs> organisation business. Mm. Yeah. So so maybe that
1: shaped you in some way.
2: I think so. Mm. And
1: it's interesting, like, also, you know, having grown up in advertising, then you literally have people who are called creatives. Yeah. And then, you know, the conversation is always, does that then mean everyone else isn't? Yeah. Like quite literally, you know, I'm looking at one of our creatives right now. Ben. He sits in a creative team, and they yeah. have creative in their title. Then it's very. It can be very not polarizing, but it can then create a, a, fe- a fence around them to say, "Well, everyone else who isn't in this fence isn't creative." Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things we talked about when we started talking about doing this episode is that it is a male-dominated industry, and you know, all the producers I know are female. female. Yeah. Well, all the best. Same
2: producers. with me. Yeah. Yeah. I've only ever worked for two male producers in a 10-year-long career. Really? Yeah. I've worked for like 90% female. Do
1: you yeah. think this comes back to the, you know, that terrible kind of cliche that you know women are more organised than men are, or do you think it's that men have kind of a, you know, a bigger ego to go out and say I am a creative? Because there's a huge, uh, there has to be a boldness or a confidence to be able to say yeah. I am creative.
2: I think it's exactly that. Do you yeah. Think? No, I think women are just... um, And this is not... I have a lot of creative female friends. I have some of the most creative people in my life that I've ever known, and they're all women. But I think it's probably more because I'm so attuned to advertising that it has such a big effect on me calling myself a creative because I've been shaped by this industry that structures it really heavily, and it's so male-dominated in that sphere versus um, the production sphere, which is more female-dominated. So I've just, yeah, never really kind of gotten to a point in my kind of other career, which is creating content, to feel confident enough to call myself a creative. I think there's
0: a whole conversation, and maybe there's someone that we can interview at some point, about how do we nurture young women from an early age to, to believe, have the confidence to be able to say, I am a creative? Yeah. And at what point does that diminish? Does it happen in high school when we start getting more self-conscious or does it kind of come later on? Or I think we even had an episode where we talked about, um, you know, as a child, every every child's creative until someone starts dissing their artwork or yeah. their musical performance or tells them they can't sing in the school choir and all of a sudden they don't feel creative anymore. Like, what? point does that usually yeah. happen for people and, and does it happen more for wit- yeah. for young girls and yeah. young boys
1: and is that that maturity piece because you know as you get more mature therefore you should become less creative you shouldn't play as much you should mm, take things more absolutely. seriously you know you should focus on these sensible subjects yeah. like, for me i did yeah elective art elective music and you know that was like seen as in a, i went to a selective school so it was instantly seen as well you know why don't you do these more serious topics and i'm like being a shitty teenager as I was, I didn't care. But looking back, I'm like, well, there would have been lots of people who said, no, I should go and do these things that, you know, mm. get me a better job in high school because no one ever comes and talks to you about, hey, there's an enormous creative industry out there and they really need people.
0: Yeah. yeah. And typically men, <clears throat> or typically boys, don't mature as fast as girls. Yeah, sorry, that's where I was <laughs> going So Yeah, so then, you know, maybe that is it. Girls end up mm. just going a little bit more down. Yeah.
2: That's I, I used to write a lot growing up, like obviously having a dad that was a writer, um, he had a lot of influence over me and I used to write for fun, I used to write stories, I used to be really into English and creative writing at school, but as soon as I, yeah, I guess jumped into advertising, now thinking about it, I stopped. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of got into the sphere of creating my own content where I was like oh I actually can flex these muscles again I actually can write and kind of give my thoughts to the creative you know like I'm a big player in the writers room for this show and I was a big influence for my other two shows as well but it was like a big jump, it was a big gap between school and enjoying writing it, and then really? I stopped because I felt like I wasn't good enough, and then as soon as I kind of got validation from the bigger industry, yeah. funding my projects, I felt like I could go into it again.
1: Because do you consider yourself creative? Well, see... Sorry, you um, white meaning Alex, as I turn, yeah. in, <laughs> yeah. turn in an audio-only podcast. <laughs>
0: I think I'm very much like... Um, like you, Georgia, I mean, growing up very creative. I did all, like lots of – my dad's an English teacher, so I yeah. did lots of English. I did art. I was very, very – always in drama productions um, and then very creative into starting my business. But then a couple of years into my business, I became a lot more structured and I, I, I fell mm. in love with business and the, the business side of, um, of what I was doing. And so then I, I definitely – wasn't doing as many creative things, mm. I think. But it's only now that I've become, well, I think, fairly competent in my business and where it's heading that I've kind of, and I've learned to delegate to other people that yeah. I'm going, you know what, I'm going to take a bit more of a creative direction role of where we're heading. Um, but for a very long time, I also said, oh, I'm not creative enough to do that. I'm going to focus on the business stuff because that was more tangible. And I think you can go, okay, I'm good at business because I can make X amount of money and I can, you know, bring in X amount of sponsorship and I can get shit done. Whereas saying, oh, I'm creative because this is what I've, I've produced, I've made, that's more subjective and people have an opportunity to comment and critique that. Yeah, and it's not, it's yeah, not as safe,
2: it's maybe. it's putting yourself out there yeah. so much more, I think. And I think you're right about the tangibility of business. I think it's the same thing with production. I think, you know, your work is your logistics, your logistics work,
1: mm-hmm. your
2: work is done. You know, you've done a good job. Yeah. But with creativity, you're putting so much more of yourself out there. And I think naturally, um, I think more so as women get older, we get scared of putting ourselves out there. Yeah. Out of fear of rejection, probably. Is it the same? I mean, you're talking for all the men.
0: All the men. <laughs> all of the men. I was, like, I was,
1: like, I was comment on behalf of men everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, not to... Like, again, it is hard to talk from different points of view. So for me, for me growing up, I always had a creative outlet. Like, I didn't stop playing in bands and writing our music till I was 26 when I had to leave the band because we left the country. Mm. And that is that is terrifying. That is... You know, imagine the lyrics you write when you're half drunk at 21, trying to sing them out loud. Like that—that that is a d- level. Can 10. you so, do a rendition? Oh, I probably uh, yeah. could. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll cut something in now. Actually, I was sharing it with another bloke actually, and we had this really interesting moment where uh, he's a couple of years younger than me. But he's like, "Oh, what was the last thing you recorded?" And I sent it to him a Dropbox, and I was really scared. And he's like, he had the same reaction trying to send it back. And I said to him, "I'm like, it's really interesting when you find other musicians, you'll really connect quickly." But if you don't really want to talk about it, you won't really talk about it. But I actually think for most guys, you know, especially in Australia where it's, you know, pretty heavily masculine culture, nobody makes anything. You know, like, I mean, my own brother made fun of me for years for doing any of it. (laughs) Um, And I think that leaves you at 13 or 15 when you're told to either go go play sport, you know, chase girls or go to the pub. Like, Mm. it is a very specific... You know, when I grew up, it was a very goth and emo crowd who went and did it all. Like, now it's much more mainstream to do something in music. But I think, I think the sports culture can kind of get it out of you. But I think just being a guy, there's a level of confidence that I enjoyed that I don't think everyone does. But, and that you
0: know. might also be an Australian cultural thing, you know, because we're all about creativity and the way that it shapes our culture. I mean, Australia is such a sporty nation.
1: Yeah, which, which is conflicting, right? Because if you go to Melbourne, where you know you're moving to, mm-hmm. culture and the arts are much more widely accepted. There's much mm. a bigger groundswell than, say, Sydney, where it is, you know, sports based. Let alone get up to Brisbane, where it's heavily sports based. Um, I, I think that could have a lot to do with it. Like for me to go and pl- form a band again, I've had a couple of conversations recently. To be a 30-something-year-old you know, man, go and find friends, play in someone's garage and sing to each other and you've never met each other <laughs> is incredibly confronting. And yeah. I'm like, I think I can do this. Yeah.
0: And so tell us about seconds. Um, I read a little bit of a blurb about it and I'm so intrigued. I want to watch it straight away. This, you were saying before, about this is something that you and your father have Yeah,
2: I mean, I'll give you the whole backstory, shall I? Um, So, probably like 25 years ago, I think, my dad, uh, he had a lot of books. He was very published, very well awarded in the industry. He wrote a short story about a family of cannibals. Actually, a family of vegetarians that came together once a year and ate somebody. Yeah, so it's (laughs) just casually... Um, and someone picked it up and wanted to turn it into a film, and then it didn't get turned into a film, but it won a bit of, like, funding money to have it turned into a couple of drafts. He had the chance to work with Gus Van Zandt and John Sales on it, which was amazing, but, yeah, it never went anywhere that he was really happy with, so it kind of died down. And then about two years ago, I reread it. It was one of my favourite stories of my dad's, but it never got published, never got picked up, never went anywhere. He came to me, and he was like, hey gee, what do you think about um, redoing... It was originally called The Leftovers. Um, What do you think about redoing The Leftovers into a TV series? I really think it could have legs as that. And I was like, yeah, look, I love that. Like, let's work on that together. So we started developing it into a series and we renamed it to Seconds because there's another show, a HBO show called The Leftovers, which took the title, so we weren't allowed to use that anymore. (laughs) I like Seconds. I like it as well because it's the same kind of... I do like leftovers. Seconds. It's the same thing. <laughs> anyway, so then he passed away. Oh. Um, he passed away very suddenly. He had a heart attack when he was working overseas. I'm and so yeah, it's the most devastating thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. It's yeah. the um, it's the most defining moment of my entire life. Like I kind of perceive my life now as before and after his yeah. death. And it's been a really hard couple of years. Um, and going through my kind of grief process. I was going to grief therapy and doing as much as possible to kind of work my way through it. And my therapist kept saying, find ways to connect to him, you know. Could you message him on Facebook? Could you talk to him at night? Could you write a diary? All of these things, and I tried them all, and it just made me sad. It made me sadder because I didn't feel like I was connecting to him. I felt like I was talking to myself, and I didn't like that. And kind of after like a year of a period of just feeling like I had no purpose in life I started working I like opened the document that I made with him and I opened the website that we had together which was commenting on script ideas and all of that and I kept working on it and it was the first time I felt connected to him again since his passing and it was kind of like my own therapy working on Kind of the show and yeah. continuing yeah. a project that he wanted to do with me. It was yeah, it was the only thing that made me feel better. Wow. Yeah, And so I kept working on it, um, built this document that you can see. I sent it over to a producer that I work with a lot in Melbourne, and he loved it. He thought it was um, really original, very unique. He sent it to an amazing director we've both worked with before, Tony Rogers. He's mm-hmm. AFI mm-hmm. award-winning director. He created Wilfred. Uh, and Tony loved it. It's, it's very much kind of his style of story, very surreal based in mm-hmm. realism. And then we sent it to a writer, Jamie Brown. He's also fabulous. He just had a film premiere at South by Southwest last oh. year called Brothers Nest. And that was fabulous. Oh. It had the Jacobson yep. brothers in it. Yeah, it was a beautiful film. Yeah. Um, again very dark yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that was our little team and so then we wrote this document together and laid it up and um pitched it to Screen Australia first of all we pitched it to Screen New South Wales, Screen Victoria, they all said no they were like oh maybe not (laughs) Uh (laughs) maybe not ready for cannibalism just yet (laughs) and then um, we pitched it to Screen Australia and they loved it Wow. Yeah, and so they gave us a funding grant for us to continue writing it and, you know, pretty much the validation we kind of needed to recognise that it was, you know, a project that was really worthwhile. Like, we all knew that it was because it's a good idea, but I don't know, the moment that I got that phone call saying, we want to fund you, was, yeah, again, another very, very big defining moment in my life. It was very overwhelming. I felt a mixture of kind of validation and happiness and... Sadness, because my dad wasn't here to share it with. Yeah. And, yeah, it was very overwhelming. It's a very big process, but it feels really good now to have that backing from Australia's yeah. biggest funding body. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a um, big story to get it up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, like, thank
2: right?
0: you. And congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, and it sounds like you've got a really
2: amazing team. That yes.
0: Are, so very what's, amazing. What's the next step? So you're Ooh. going to be filming in
2: Melbourne. So the next steps for us are we take that money that they've given us and we now write a pilot. We've already mapped it out. Like, we have a couple of writer's rooms and we all sit together, throw around ideas, and then Jamie takes that back and structures it and turns it into a narrative that works. And so, then, so
1: actually, for people who don't know, can you take us through what you built and what you wrote that first document and kind of yeah. that process to get something, you know, onto TV? Because yeah. I know, you know, for us... It, we understand it because we look at it, but I think just mm. for people at home, like, what what are those steps and kind of what did you learn along the way?
2: Gosh, I learned. I really took a lot from the other two uh, shows that I had funded previously, and again, I took to get that to get to that point. I took a lot from advertising and mm-hmm. my experience in advertising because I've always worked as a. Uh, production assistant and director's assistant and so for many years when I was working in-house at a production company I'd work on director's treatments. So that would be pulling together director's words, matching it with imagery and tone, helping them lay it out and make it beautiful and then sending it to an agency and hopefully win a job. And so when the first um, original kind of concept came to me, I was like, oh, I'm going to make the best director's treatment out of this um, <laughs> idea. And so I built it into a beautiful, like, six-page document which kind of pitched, like, the summary of the show, the logline, yeah. character outlines. Because that's all it is at the start.
1: It's just, it is. It's an idea it's just, in a, it's in a paragraph and then, yeah. you know, a quick outline of characters. Yeah. And it, it's really exceptional to read yeah. one of these documents and then realise how much is extracted out of yeah. them. Yeah. And yeah. also how, how small the opportunity is, in a yeah. sense. Like, if you don't get it right, you know, yeah. in that log line and that, you know, the, those first few in, the, in
2: those two lines, if yeah. you don't nail it in that, or in that one paragraph, you lose people.
1: Because the, f- the full document's about 45 pages, right? It's 45 pages, yeah.
2: yeah, definitely, yeah. And so, you know, you do that small document, you pitch it off, and if you get some interest, you get some money and you film something. And so did that with the first show, did that with the second show, and then with this, I took a lot from both of those little shows and director's yeah. treatments that I used to do and created this monster document <laughs> which has a lot more information in it because it's got obviously the summary it's got the character outlines, it's got every episodic outline it's got the series arc, it's got sample scenes, we were at sample scenes wow. Wow. it's got um uh, where season two might go. It's got international saleability. It's got the writer's bio, the producer's bios, the director's bios. It's got the director's notes on tone of where he sees the show going. It's got more notes about who he wants to cast. It's got so much information and so much to actually take in and absorb and then all matched with beautiful imagery to make it look yeah. even better. Yeah. How long does a document like that take you to put together? That took... I mean, technically it took me two years, yeah. but it was a lot of um, downtime in that just in terms of like dealing with grief and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, altogether I'd say that took a year. Wow. And it's a year of not being paid. Yeah. And it's a year of kind of just doing it for the love and the passion for the idea. And not
0: knowing that it, you could get paid yeah. that it might not get picked but up. But it's all
2: about like your own um, belief in it. Yeah. Faith that you're going to actually get picked up in the end and hopefully it'll all pay and, off. And that's <laughs> it. Like if,
1: if that's not being a creative... And like being a maker or creator, then I don't know what is.
0: Yeah, this just the introduction page just totally (laughs) got me. I don't know if like you should read read it. it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I just love this. (laughs) This is great. We need Rob for a
1: voice. Yeah, I know. know. I'll get
0: my best reading voice. Um, Meet the Farmers, a regular family in the Perth suburbs in 1974, who love their very ordinary Aussie life, but they do have one quirk the blokes at the pub and the kids at school don't get. The farmers are all bloody vegans, except for that one secret meal of the year when they gorge on meat. But they don't fight over crackling, and who wants white meat or dark meat? This meat is human, and for the farmers, it's all good. And everyone at this meal asks for seconds.
2: <laughs> nice.
0: Ah, I it's love so it. It's so good. I mean, anyone who just reads that, because you're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, put yeah, <laughs> in this and it. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to read it twice. It's like, yeah. what? Is that your best
1: Broken Hill accent there in the middle as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, the, at
0: the pub. At the pub.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And so now, okay, so you've sent this off. Screen yep. Australia's picked it up. You spent a very long time on this amazing, mm-hmm. elaborate document, which you kind of need, right? Because you're yes. going to use that as a working yes. document to, to kind of cast yeah. off, right?
2: We actually didn't... They told us that this was one of the best, um, most uh, detailed pitches they'd seen really? in a while. Oh. Like, for us, we were just like, let's throw everything we have into this because we want to give ourselves the best opportunity to get funding. We don't yep. want to fuck this up. And
1: you are also a master of detail now that I've worked oh, yeah. with you for <laughs> I, I have noticed this. Yeah.
2: There's that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they did mention that there was a lot of work that had gone into this. So our yeah, next round, usually once you get that development funding, then you go and make this. Okay. But do you make a pilot or do you make a full season? No, or? you kind of – you. so normally you kind of go in with a smaller document, like okay. maybe a five-page document. Um, <laughs> we just happen to go in with a 46-page document. Um, and then you do like a little three-minute – To camera pitch video as well and then if they like the idea they ask you to upload a bit more information and then if they give you the funding then they ask you to make that 46 page document they ask you to write the pilot and then they ask you for a bit more information on your audience and stuff a bit of research into your target market yep so we're lucky, we now don't have to rewrite that document. We just need a pilot and the information on the target right. audience. And that's where
1: yeah. you get involved back in the creative process directly is with yes. the writer's room. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. to write Amazing. that
2: pilot. Yeah, which is exciting. We actually have a writer's room next Monday. So.
1: Really? Is that the first one? No, second one. Yeah, so we
2: had our first one in December, um, which was, again, very overwhelming and validating and I really wanted my dad to be there with me, but Aww. I felt like he was there with me in spirit and I felt like he would have been we've changed a lot since my dad's original story but I felt like he would have approved all of it and that means a lot to me is being a voice for him yeah as well is there that added pressure absolutely (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) imagine I yeah I have a lot of pressure on my on myself to do right by him through this project and I mean if this doesn't work out which you know fingers crossed it does I also have a backlog of um, published stories yeah. and books and short stories and films um, that are just sitting in my cupboard waiting to be turned into something for the screen Amazing. yeah well
1: I definitely don't think I'm the first to say it but I'm 100% sure he'll be very very proud of you thank no matter you. what happens so. it's
2: really nice to hear I really um, appreciate hearing that I really that. mean that thank you can I ask a couple of like yep. novice yeah.
1: Yeah. if money
0: was no object and you could book any actor to play yeah. like lead characters yeah Have you got some, like, favourite actors that you would like to play? (laughs) I hope they don't listen
2: to this. Uh Um, Tony has some really good ideas. I mean, he's the director, so that's up to him. But my... I don't know. I've kind of thought about it, but then I don't love marrying myself to any idea because then if it doesn't happen, I don't want to disappoint myself. Fair enough. Very diplomatic. (laughs) But there were the ideas of throwing around, like, Hugo Weaving for one of the dads. I would genuinely love if... um, Clayton or Shane Jacobson would play the dad and the uncle because twins run in the family. So it's a big thing for the farmers where they have twins in every generation. Uh Um, And I thought they would be perfect because they do creepy really well but also funny really well. And this is really darkly comedic. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I might be thinking too small. (laughs) I'd love – I really just – I just really genuinely want it to be Australian.
0: Australian actors, Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So –
0: yeah, who seem to be doing few. Killing It at the moment yeah. overseas.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: and have you ever thought if you were – someone was to play you in a movie, who would play you?
2: <laughs> I feel like we're oh at God. a dinner, a dinner yeah. table and it's <laughs> dinner party conversation. Have you got cue cards under there? <laughs> no, I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I would feel very blessed if Margot Robbie would play me yes. <laughs> in a video or a movie or something.
0: Um. You know who yeah. also you, like could look like a young Kate Hudson? Oh, could okay. That's interesting. Like... I've never had that yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Big blue eyes and blonde <laughs> hair. And
2: yeah. Um, no, I've actually never really thought about that. I don't have a very interesting life. Like, <laughs> hey,
0: yeah, who knows? Your life is so young still. Jai, yeah. have you ever thought about who would play you in a movie?
1: Um, Mark Ruffalo.
2: Oh, the Ruffs. Yeah, I just yeah. love
1: him. Is that bad?
2: It's it really bad funny. that I don't know who Mark Ruffalo is. Who is he? He's, he's the,
0: the
1: Hulk. Marvel movies. He's the Hulk. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you looked at Mark, there's, and there's one photo of Mark Ruffalo where he looks exactly like me. Mark Ruffalo, um, only because in this one movie where he's like an undercover cop, he looks like me. If oh, I was Mexican. Oh. Um, <laughs> which I'm Colombian, so he was yeah. Mexican. <laughs> okay. um, and then, I don't know, who else? Who would play you? Yeah.
0: Um. I don't know. Maybe I was just thinking about that you as well. Yeah, you. I was like, you know, "Oh no, I ha- trained, no. I was like, "Oh, I Ooh. haven't thought of mine." Uh, I think either Tony Collette or Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. I feel like Tony Collette's
2: That's a bit old for you. Well, like, a, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Jennifer. <laughs> I, I don't know who that first
1: person
2: is. Tony Collette. She's Muriel <laughs> from Muriel's Wedding <laughs> about a boy. Oh, the yeah, mom. she's way too old. She's in Hereditary recently.
0: Oh, yeah. is that good? I haven't seen <gasps> it. She can play me in as my older self.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Jennifer so Jennifer Lawrence would be
1: yeah. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence would be a good year. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, she's funny. She's what about always. um? Well, what are your favorite movies? We have somebody else's as well.
2: Ooh. I always struggle with this question because I'm not really a Poor film Australian person. TV I'm not a film person. Well, you're a TV series. I'm a TV person. My right, like, favorite TV series. Everyone lumps us in together. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there a difference? Is that a big difference? Um. Yeah. Like I get my um director at. um uh, Engine Room always makes fun of me for not being that into film and not seeing much film, even though, like, I'm in the industry. But I'm just not yeah, – it doesn't grab me as much as TV does. I like being invested in characters for a really long period of time. I was just about to say, seeing it's Seeing their format, journeys. Right? It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Are you a d- Game of Thrones fan? Of course. April? Okay, of course, yeah. yeah. You know, I
1: keep meeting people who still haven't watched it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, That's
2: perplexing. Someone, um, but for me, um, I really, really love uh, – complex female characters. Um, Aren't they all complex? (laughs) (laughs) I would love to create, um, like my goal is to create a lot of female-fronted kind of content, show a lot of female-driven stories, um, kind of get the female world right, because I don't think it's shown correctly in TV and film at the moment, I think. Oh, yeah, I
1: think it's just shown outdated. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. there was some truth in it once. Mm-hmm. Not, not that that was a good truth, but yeah. I think that's the issue, is that, you know, somebody made a really good point, right? So if you imagine when George Lucas made American Graffiti, and I know you don't um, Didn't I see film. It. I know. <laughs> but it's like, he made a 50s film in the 70s, late 70s, yeah. because that's, that's what he remembers. Yeah. And so now that we're in 2000s, the people who are making oh, late 2000s, nearly in the 20s, yeah. That's why the 80s have nostalgic value yeah. because all the main mm-hmm. film creatives, that's their nostalgia, which becomes ours. Yeah.
0: Stranger Things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I think is what's going to happen now because. We've got a lot more female representation in mm-hmm. creative roles. We're Absolutely. suddenly going to see a much truer reflection of what's going on. Well, um, and the same goes with you know like uh, black cultured films as well.
2: Yeah, the, I've just been gushing about this show pretty much for the last week since it came out on Stan. But have you seen? Ads for Pen 15 or Penis, as you said. Yes, I just started watching it as well. Isn't it It's so beautiful. So, that is like the most (laughs) nostalgic thing I've seen with complex teenage female characters. Like, is this 2000? She does her Ace Ventura impersonations. like Hollywood Nostalgia. Yeah, it's 90s nostalgia. Uh, It's it's a weird mix because Maya Erskine's 31 and Anna Conkle, who's her co creator, who plays the other character, is 24. So, they've kind of like met in the middle and Wait, which Same one's 31 and which one's 24? Maya is the oh, um, ball
0: cut. Yeah. 24.
1: She could no, argue. She's, 31
2: she's 31 and Anna oh. Conklin's 24. Yeah. She
1: could argue what they remember of the 90s is not what I remember of the 90s.
0: Well, yeah. the 31-year-old would.
2: And yeah. t- oh, 31. Yeah, the oh, ones 31, one's 20, yeah. 24. Sorry, so they're bad. different kind of, yeah. different zones, takes, but yeah. they've met in the middle and it's set in the year 2000. So yeah. it takes a lot from the 90s, but it also takes a bit from the mm. 2000s, which I really like. It yeah. is so nostalgic.
0: You know, anything from like them singing Hans yeah. and Mbop and mm. snap, I don't know, snap pants and like, I you love know. It. The Are there
1: any flavour savers? Like I put up that photo of me recently. on um, <laughs> you see that? That
2: was the
0: best.
1: <laughs> Jai Circa 2003. Oh, yeah. What do you, ugh.
0: That was, 2000, yeah, but in the 90s, yeah, yeah that, that's really funny, actually. How many episodes in are you? Um,
2: about four or five. Have you seen episode three? Yes. That was... Was that the masturbating one? Yes. So that, <laughs> yeah. to me, was female just... Female masturbation, yeah. yeah. Again, a story that we don't see. No. So f- not even just female masturbation, female <laughs> child masturbation. Yes. I can't... I don't think I've ever met anyone in my career that would go, go like, even come close to touching that storyline because they would be too freaked out. They would be like, I don't want to go near a kid masturbating on screen. It's hilarious. So these two uh, actors, they're like comedic actors, have
0: gone back into a high school and so they're, they're their, their, their own, age. They're playing their own character
2: at 13. Right. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Right. Mm. Got it.
2: But the rest of the cast are all 12 and 13. Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. I need to see this. So I thought yeah. I understood that completely. No. And I was like, oh, of course. this So it's some- like
2: a 31-year-old dressed as a 13-year-old standing next to a uh. 13-year-old talking about first kisses. And it's almost like Jermaine's summer high
0: tie or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah Almost like, yeah. And yeah. do the
1: other kids know how old they are?
2: Yes, yes, yes. They're all it's actors all as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, okay. You've yeah, okay. got to you just I watch, watch it, it. it's weird. Yeah,
2: there's an episode about um, her discovering masturbation for the first time And discovering her body And I just thought that was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on TV Because I've never seen that before I'm going to be taking um, a nap
0: for a very long yeah. time No one come into my room
1: <laughs>
2: I'm going to be washing my hands in the bathroom No one come in
1: <laughs> Have you seen that episode of Mad Men? Yes in, Yes, that yes. was the only time I've yeah. seen that done
2: Yeah, Yeah. the only other time I've seen that yeah, was and Sally, the,
1: And that was one of the ones yeah, yeah that is uh, like really heavily criticised yeah. for when it came out the only other show I've seen do that well is Have you seen Big Mouth, the animated yes. series? Yes. And like,
2: I, this is, I feel like this is kind of off the back of that a bit. Yeah, Delving that's what I was just thinking. puberty and how sexually driven it is and how. Because everyone's it okay is, to joke yeah. about
1: boys masturbating, you know, and you know all those jokes, but yeah, I think female masturbation and that kind of sexuality piece is yeah. really underrepresented.
2: I think you should watch it, Jai. I think you'd really enjoy it.
1: So, sounds like i would
2: to and our thing. listeners if you guys have watched it um hit us up and let us know uh,
0: what you thought of it and did people want to get in contact with you if they want to follow the journey mm-hmm. of seconds has it got an instagram or do they just follow your instagram I or? Mean you can
2: jump on my linkedin
0: yeah you can see okay. my
2: little posts about it um my facebook
1: i think you have to start documenting <laughs> this
2: i really th- should yeah no you're right i might start a website or something i might like trademark the name and stuff I haven't done yeah, that I yet. think, you know, don't steal my name. <laughs> <laughs> no, seconds TV. <laughs>
1: just, sorry, one final question. For other people trying to get into doing what you're doing, because mm-hmm. I think you've got a really inspirational story. Mm-hmm. What is your one piece of advice that people, or not one, just what are your pieces of advice that people should either do now whether they're in high school or uni or, you know, just practical things they should do on the side to start shaping their own kind of creative careers?
2: I think it's don't be afraid don't sell yourself short like I was so afraid for so long and um, I just didn't create anything for so long because I was just terrified of rejection but I think yeah. it's it's obviously easier like easy, easier said than done Yeah. but um, I don't know I just think it's not being afraid of getting rejected and just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying because like like genuinely one day it'll stick or at least you know after so many times of doing it you're going to get so much experience and you're going to get to a place where you've actually got something that's amazing and someone will want a part of it and then you take off from there. Thank you. Yeah, just keep trying. <laughs> it's really nice. Oh, it is. Georgia, thank you so much. It's been no a really worries, beautiful episode. You. I really
0: appreciate you coming on here and sharing everything. And I, I'm good luck. I'm so oh, excited <laughs> about where Seconds is going to go. And I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I think yeah. we need to maybe do, like, nice. another check-in episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can, definitely. And maybe even if you could get us, you know, even closer to some of the creative activities that happen along the way, I think Absolutely. we'd love
2: that. Yeah.
0: Oh, and thank you, as always, for listening. Um, If you guys like this episode, why don't you share it with your friends? We're on iTunes, uh, we're on Spotify.
1: We're everywhere. We're
0: everywhere. We're on YouTube. I've never seen the YouTube. Apparently we're on
1: YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube anyway. YouTube's hard. Yeah. Spotify is easy. Spotify, iTunes is easy.
0: Spotify, And all
1: the Google platforms are on now as well. Oh,
0: there you go. And, um, and look, if you really liked today's episode or you didn't, why don't you just let us know? You can hit us up on Instagram, um, Double like Star you. Co. or Ms Darlinghurst is where you'll find me. Or maybe you've got a suggestion of a creative that you know or maybe you're a creative yourself and you think that we should uh, have a chat to you. Let us know.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Georgia. Thank you.
0: Thanks,
2: guys.